0: From Indianapolis, with an eye on every corner of the state. This is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Elevate Ventures, Ice Miller, and Indiana University. Man that is but then his came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now. I'm He's bugle boy of Company B. That was then... This is now the dramatic transformation of Fort Benjamin Harrison from a key base during World War II to a booming live work play destination in central Indiana. Plus, IUPUI is setting the tone in the growing world of music therapy. And, I'm looking at
1: this board that was always in our locker room of, of the goals for the game, and I'm just looking at it, and honest to God, Gary, whack! right on the side
0: of the head. Dan Dockich, unplugged. The story of who knocked him in the noggin, how it brought him to IU, and his undying love for basketball.
2: Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick, coming to you this week from Fort Harrison on the city's northeast side. Actually, this is the city of Lawrence. And for those of you around the state of Indiana, this is in northeast Marion County, about 15 miles northeast of downtown Indianapolis. This is a place with lots of history. It dates back to 1903, when funds were authorized to purchase the land for a U.S. Army base. In 1906, it was officially named after Indiana's own 23rd president of the united states and it was a busy place in both world wars one and two in fact in 1943 fort harrison was the largest draft inductee center in the united states but the 1991 base realignment and closure commission recommended that fort benjamin harrison close and despite the efforts of state and local officials who tried to keep it open Fort Harrison officially closed in September of 1996. Nearly 1100 civilians lost their jobs, but it marked the start of a transformation here from military base to live, work and play destination. In just the past five years, there's been more than $200 million in investment here. Nearly 300 single and multifamily homes with 250 luxury apartments on the way. A new Hilton True Hotel, A $2 million civic plaza, there's a YMCA, a new Marion County Public Library, will open in June. There's been substantial development around restaurants and retail, all in the shadow of a championship golf course and Fort Harrison State Park. Inside now, the Starrett Center, the new home of Heartland Film, which is also part of an emerging cultural campus uh, here at Fort Harrison. Pleased to be joined by Lawrence Mayor Steve Collier and Mayor. A lot to talk about here. First of all, the Heartland uh, announcement. I know next week this will be christened, uh, if you will, but the addition of, of Heartland Film as part of this cultural campus really important part of this kind of live, work, play. Area.
3: very much a great announcement to be able to make because it's it sort of was a surprise when it came out here we really weren't recruiting them but we went out there and, and and once we knew they were looking for a new place we thought what a perfect place for it to be out here we had spent some money on kind of renovating the stair center beforehand so when they came out and they made the decision to move out here that was a big thing for us it kind of marries very very well with the theater at the ford uh, theater at, uh, and the, uh, the cultural campus it's creating certainly an environment for certainly culture and
2: art and that kind of history for the city. A lot of development here we'll talk about in a moment, the economic impact uh, to be sure. But you were teaching back in the 90s uh, here when the announcement came down, and I was reporting at the time that the fort was going to close. And as a native, you've lived here for a long time. What was that like when that news well, came out?
3: Well, it was pretty scary actually because those of us who were teaching at the time—we just opened up a second high school—not long before that—and so the city was in, on the cusp of being to grow. The fort had been such an integral part of the city of Lawrence. The city, Lawrence grew up around you know Fort Harrison. It had been here since the turn of the century. So when we heard it was going to close down, we were thinking to ourselves, "Okay, what's next? What, how do we how do we replace that?" And so I'm happy to say that once the FHRA was formed, uh, we began to take strides to be able to truly reuse what was uh, uh, a, a, very much a, a legacy part of the city.
2: Yeah, I remember some wondered, would this ever be redeveloped? And it certainly has been. You look in just the last five years, 200 plus million dollars of investment, and you, you know I mentioned uh, in the introduction, so many t- kinds of uh, investment and developments residential there's new hotel, library YMCA kind of put a bottom line on it what's the impact uh, of this transformation Yeah so
3: actually uh, I think we, we've begun to realize this is going to become the, the new downtown in the city of Lawrence and so we've worked very hard to make that happen. A lot of the things that come and a lot of the investment in the city certainly uh, provides a tight opportunity for people to come in here and to settle. Uh, during the pandemic uh, we went about taking t- potentially making sure and participating in our, our restaurants that grew up, our locally owned restaurants that grew up. All of those things were happening, and that began to attract even bigger and greater investments. Uh, the one that maybe we'll talk about here shortly is the Keystone will be the biggest investment we've ever had in the City of Lawrence, uh, but that'll be joint right next to the library. So those two things alone kind of created what I think is going to be truly, a, 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 like you said, a transformational downtown.
2: The Keystone the of Project, Lawrence. $70 million. Yeah, $70 million. Products, uh-huh, right. yeah. Yeah. And this, again, when you talk about live, work, play, uh, and this development here in the city of Lawrence is being held up so many base Um, um, remakes, if you will, around the country. This is being held up as an example. Yeah, we're uh, very proud of
3: the fact that we are actually being uh, across the nation, we're being held up as this is how a reuse of a a government installation should be done. And ours was slow in happening, as so many of them do. But once we got that kind of synergy going, we began to see a lot of economic uh, people with economic development on their mind wanting to come to Lawrence and talk with them. It it was a uh, for me, it was a, a great situation, great experience to be able to bring in people who had a lot of money and who wanted to put it in, in, in the city of Lawrence.
2: It was, that was a big deal for us. What's next? I know a lot of talk about a new uh, center of the city, really. Uh, but as you look going forward, I know you're not running for re-election, right? You'll be out of office. What's next here for Lawrence? Not. I mean, I think that the biggest
3: thing that we'll see happening is we've got the Keystone project going in. We'll put a parking garage in. We've got one more lot that we're going to be pretty picky about what goes in there. Uh, I think that uh, there has there is some interest in maybe putting a med- medical facility out here that will go along with the number of veterans that we have out here. We still have a a military presence out here we have a couple of the armories and the uh, certainly the commissaries. so we'll never we'll never lose that but I do think that as the city continues to grow and mature is that we'll, we'll be see a, a really a, a growth and kind of the uh, we, we've got all the apartments built that we want to have we've got all the houses we need to have in this city center now we'll begin to see some truly uh, transformational work in terms of having this cultural center here in terms of having the Civic Plaza all the events that we will host we're going to be bringing people in
2: hopefully from throughout Marin county and throughout central indiana all right lawrence mayor steve uh, collier uh, mayor thanks for joining us we'll look forward to continuing to follow the story uh, of a very much changing area here thanks for joining. Well, we
3: appreciate us. you coming out
2: all right thanks, well growth opportunities uh, here mean more employment opportunities uh, as well And a new way to get those workers to those jobs? Well, the $188 million Purple Line, Indigo's newest mode of rapid bus transit. The route from Ivy Tech in downtown Indianapolis to just south of here, at Fort Harrison, under construction for almost a year now, expected to be ready to roll by the end of 2024. And coming up next, why southern Indiana isn't letting the grass grow under its feet. How more than 60 miles of an old railroad line could be a key driver in moving the economic needle forward there. Here's
3: what's making news around Indiana. Brought to you by the Indiana Association of Realtors. Indiana's 21,000 realtors. The neighbors you know, the experts you can count on.
2: The late 1800s when trains were the primary mover of people and cargo along tracks like the Monon Rail in Indiana. Well certainly that mode of transportation changed dramatically when Americans got behind the wheel of the automobile. But what comes around goes around, in this case old rail lines getting new life and communities around the state reaping some of the benefits. Around Indiana reporter Mary Rachel Redman is along the Monon Trail here in Marion County with more on that story. Mary Rachel.
0: Well, Gary, the Monon Trail in Indy stretches 10 miles and beyond into Hamilton County. And believe it or not, when the trail debuted in 96, let's just say it had less than a lukewarm reception. But more than 25 years on, the Monon Trail has become a big draw and a key piece to the community. This 10-mile stretch alone attracts over 1.3 million walkers, runners, and bikers a year. And now folks from five counties in southern Indiana will soon have a Monon of their own. The historic Monon Railroad can trace its roots all the way back to New Albany in 1847. The Hoosier Line would come to define an era, but times change. After sitting idle for nearly two decades, plans are now underway to revive this abandoned stretch of Monon Rail into the state's longest trail.
2: Here you have one contiguous trail that will link five counties and half a dozen or more communities. Uh, so it's just, it was just a no brainer of trying to pursue it. The Next Level Trails program that Governor Holcomb has, has instituted, I mean, this was tailor made for it, and you've got over 62 miles there. Going through some really, even from a natural resources perspective, some pretty areas.
0: Once the project is complete, Bortner says he thinks the Monon South Trail will become a destination location and a major economic driver in the region.
2: This is going to be a, a national story. Uh, this is a big deal. It's something that's really kind of a dream come true to actually get it get it finalized and getting ready to go.
0: Since the Next Level Trails program launched in 2018, DNR has awarded close to $120 million to create trails all across Indiana. And that might not be the end of the line. Governor Eric Holcomb is asking the legislature for an additional 50 million to continue connecting Hoosier communities through trails. All part of that live, work, play, economic development strategy. Gary.
2: All right, Mary Rachel, thank you indeed. Economic uh, development uh, projects, quality of life projects, driving big dollars around the state of Indiana. Elsewhere around Indiana, in northern Indiana, Mishawaka-based Damon Products expanding operations and adding what it calls a significant number of jobs. Damon designs and manufactures hydraulic valve manifolds used in heavy industry. A new nonprofit in Bloomington will focus on advancing initiatives related to the arts, technology and jobs and housing. The City of Bloomington Capital Improvements Inc. or CBCI will oversee multiple projects involving city ownership of land and buildings. In Fort Wayne, big changes for the Northeast Indiana Innovation Center. It is now doing business as the Northeast Indiana Innovation Collective. The mission, a new collaborative plan to support entrepreneurship for everyone and support for all types of ventures. The NIC will be guided by President and CEO Mike Frisch. Coming up next, Indiana Secretary of Education shares her top priorities for Hoosier students and the healing power of music. How IUPUI is taking the lead in the emerging field of music therapy. I'll be back in studio with more right after this. It's time now for Eye on Education. Well, bumping up funding for Indiana students, one of Governor Eric Holcomb's top priorities as state lawmakers work on crafting a new two-year budget, a year of opportunity. That's how Secretary of Education Katie Jenner sees 2023 for K-12 education in the state. Jenner will be spending a lot of time at the General Assembly where lawmakers are considering uh, the Holcomb administration's request for $1.2 billion in K-12 funding, including money to increase teacher pay and eliminate textbook and curriculum fees. Jenner says funding will also address what she calls a critical need for Indiana education, literacy.
4: In Indiana, we actually have been seeing a declining literacy rate since the school year 2012-2013. COVID further exacerbated that. So we must do everything we can to make sure our teachers have the top training in science of reading strategies. Um, We need to, and and by the way, thank you to Lilly Endowment. Uh, We were able to announce in August the largest investment in literacy in Indiana's history. So um, it is it is so important that we stay laser focused on um, making sure all of our children can read.
2: Jenner also tells me K-12 education will increasingly engage in efforts to grow the state's talent pipeline. Just partnerships with the private sector like one in Evansville are key.
4: They have a program um, in partnership with Toyota. Uh, right there in Bossy High School, where Toyota industry leaders come in and work directly with uh, students on um, skill development. And, you know, making sure that they know you have to have good communication beyond just TikTok. You have mm-hmm. to be able to connect. Um, you also have to be able to work well with others. It's that common skill development that is really our, our, our workforce and partnering with them, we can best serve kids to build those, those skills.
2: Well, speaking of building skills, a $3.5 million grant from Lilly Endowment will help Rose Holman expand its Ask Rose homework help hotline. The money will uh, help even more middle and high school students with their math and science uh, homework. Ask Rose will hire bilingual students to create dedicated Spanish-speaking tutoring hours and pilot the concept with two schools. The tutors are available via a video, telephone call, email, or chat five nights a week. Well, the IU School of Medicine turning uh, up the volume on the healing power of music. Business of Health reporter Kylie Valletta here with more. Kylie.
5: Thank you, Gary. For the first time, the IU School of Medicine is dedicating a leader to focus solely on music therapy. And nearby on a different campus, IUPUI is now the first in the state to launch a Ph.D. program in music therapy. At the IU School of Medicine, the efforts focus on how music can help patients with cancer. The school recently appointed nationally renowned music researcher Dr. Sherry Robb as a Walter Professor of Supportive Oncology. Robb learned about the power of music from a very young age. Her mom was the organist at their church and she remembers sitting at the organ with her and in the loft with the church choir. Her research focuses on young children with cancer and their parents. Studies show parents' emotional distress impacts the child. So music therapy also benefits mom and dad. They're having this this shift in their thinking, this cognitive shift of, oh my gosh, they're doing okay, or they get relief. I I think of it as like a pressure cooker. So like you feel this pressure building up in your body because you're so concerned about how is my child doing? Are they going to be okay? And then they begin to play and they get a glimpse of that normal little four-year-old doing what four-year-olds do, smiling and laughing, and that pressure cooker release goes off and it, it releases some steam. There is growing demand for music therapists in general, which is why just down the street at IUPUI, a music therapy PhD program is now underway with its first students this semester.
4: All
2: right, Kylie, IU, IUPUI, two programs, are they going to collaborate?
5: They think they will collaborate some, and they'll overlap a little bit and work together. Mm -hmm. Interesting, IU focuses on cancer Mm -hmm. with music therapy. IUPUI is covering all disorders with this music Mm -hmm. therapy. And a big emphasis at IUPUI is on technology. They say you can do things now in music therapy that were impossible just a couple years ago. Very
2: interesting. Thanks, Kylie, as always. Yep. Well, next, the one and only Dan Dockage when his dad finally put up a basketball goal in the driveway. I sprinted into the house, grabbed my ball because I wanted to
1: make the first shot before my dumb brother did.
2: Wise cracks about his older brother uh, falling in love with basketball on the time Bob Knight whacked him in the head. More Dockage doozies when we come back. And find out the game plan for another Hoosier Hoops legend. Dave Lindquist catches up with Tamika Catchings in this week's IBJ, why she's expanding her restaurant business and her dreams of building a new basketball gym in Indianapolis. More uh, on that story. Scan the QR code there to find out additional headlines for the week as well. Well, after more than 20 years in the healthcare industry, Amy Brown made the decision to go out on her own in 2018. And this week, still more validation for that decision as Indianapolis based Authentics landed $20 million in venture funding. Brown describes Authentics as a conversational intelligence software platform using AI to gather millions of conversations between consumers and healthcare and insurance companies.
4: And the whole point of doing that is for leaders to be better informed using the data they already have about what things are Creating customer friction. What, uh, where the problems lie within their processes or the communications? Where they need to train their personnel better, and really leverage a data source that has often been stored but uh, typically ignored by C-suite leaders and others um, as a insight center for their organization. So that's what we're using proceeds from this round for our sales and marketing efforts to make sure that we're seen, known uh, in the industries we serve. Um, And it's also going to mean really scaling out our product innovation team and specifically our uh, machine learning engineers and data scientists.
2: Authentics has now raised a total of more than $28 million since its launch in 2018. Well, he pulls no punches, calls it like he sees it, and doesn't mind what chaos it creates. Former IU basketball star and current sports media personality Dan Dockage, my 100th guest on the Business and Beyond podcast. He shared so many great stories, we decided to split our conversation into two parts. In the second half with Dockage, why he chose hoops over baseball, his obsession with his first basketball goal, and what happened on that first recruiting trip to IU. And I'm
1: looking at this board that was always in our locker room of, of the goals for the game. And I'm just looking at it. And honest to God, Gary, whack, right on the side of the head. And I turned around and I'm like, I thought it was my brother, right? So I turned around, kind of had my fist like, what the f- are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I turned around as Coach Knight. He goes, Hey, Danny, you gonna come play here at Indiana or what? And I, I looked at my dad and he goes, you know I don't know. Yeah. And I go, Coach, it, are you giving me a scholarship? Yeah. And he goes, Yeah, you dumbass. What'd you think I was talking about? Being a walk-on? I fell in love, not like in love with basketball. You know, people talk about your first love and you know, it might be some girl or mine. I I, I would sit in class and I couldn't wait to go shoot hoops by myself on this court that was this big. I couldn't wait. We didn't have a big driveway, a little driveway. I sprinted into the house, grabbed my ball, because I wanted to make the first shot before my dumb brother did. I wanted the first bucket. He wasn't even thinking about it. He was thinking about girls or school. Or, I'm thinking, I got to make the first shot on this damn basket. And then I had to make the last shot when we sold it in like 2000, or, uh, 1987. My mother will tell you, I'm incredibly shy and incredibly uh sensitive about certain things. And but that basketball court, man, that basketball court, that little radio, it wasn't even 15 feet deep. If you shot from the corner, it was literally four feet each side. I didn't care. I was beating Gary Roosevelt. I was beating Gary Westside. I was kicking the hell out of Maryville on that court a thousand times. And uh you know what? Uh it got me to Indiana.
2: And you can catch the second half with Dan Dockage marking our 100th episode beginning Monday at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.